Well, thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's so a joy to see familiar faces as well. And I uh, just want to share a little bit about our testimony of how we came to know the Lord and how we went to how we got called to go into the mission field. Well, I grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania, and I grew up in an unsaved family. And uh, my mom was a non-practicing Catholic from the Italian side. My dad was a non-practicing Lutheran, so we were a little bit confused. But I always believed in God, and I always believed in Jesus because they taught us to pray. And actually, I used to pray. Thank you, dear God, for, uh, I heard on the radio, I'm thinking, I want to know God, but I don't know how, because God put that desire in my heart at a young age. And being surrounded by so many different cults and different philosophies, I thought, how do I know God? I wish there was a book that I could know God. See, nobody told me that the Bible is the word of God, you know? So uh, I was praying every day, and I heard on the radio that I should thank Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins. So I thought, well, why don't I add that into my prayers every day? And I didn't know what that meant, you know. I didn't think I was a sinner. I thought well, I was a nice guy. Well, anyway, I even remember uh, being in uh, high school and asking my teacher, I said, well, I'm going to call myself a Christian. If I'm a Christian and this guy's Jehovah Witness, this guy's Jewish, I said, who goes to heaven? Because I know that there's one way and it has to be God's way. But again, I, I didn't have any direction because uh, I went to a secular school with no gospel witness where I was at. Um, so outside of high school, after I graduated, I came up with that nice guy philosophy. I thought, as long as I'm a nice guy, I'm going to go to heaven, uh, which was wrong. And my sister came to know the Lord, and she started sharing with me. And through her faithful witness, eventually through many different circumstances, it was amazing how God uh, just moved in my heart to pick up the Bible and to come to a knowledge that I am a sinner, and I do need Jesus, and Jesus is my Savior, that that is why he died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. He took my place, and he is always interceding for me, and now I can have a relationship with God. So at that point, I had an incredible thirst. There were two desires that God placed in my heart was, number one, to know him, because the first time in my life, I really understood that the Bible is the word of God. And the second desire was also to share Christ with others because I recognized that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I came from an unsaved, non-Christian family. So I was really first locally um, sharing the gospel, and then God touched my heart for globally. But in 1992 is when I came to know the Lord. And in 1992, um, in 1994, actually, God's calling to full-time ministry. All I wanted to do was study the Bible and share with others. So in 1995, I quit my job and with the blessings of the church I went to I by faith I saved up enough money to go to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and from 95 to 99 I, I graduated with an evangelism discipleship degree and it was through those short-term missions trips that I went to while I was at Moody during the summer that God really touched my heart for the global perspective uh, I went to Italy Bosnia Israel was in Switzerland Europe uh, and I really, really had the, the calling to do this full-time. So in 1999, after I graduated, I joined a mission agency and went out full-time from 2000 and 2004, where I lived in an Algerian Islamic neighborhood in France, and I shared with the Muslims, but also with the French people. And I'll show a little bit about France, because it's a needy country all around, uh, and there's very little Christians there. And uh, everybody, I had churches and everybody praying for a wife. Uh, I knew I needed a godly woman, and I was waiting, and God was making me wait for a long time. So when I came back on furlough, and in uh, 2005, I met Julia, who is now my wife, 
and she is such a blessing. She's a wonderful compliment, and I met her at a church where I was helping out the leadership there with the singles group, and God did provide a wonderful wife uh, for, for us. We were married in 2006, and Julie, did you want to say anything? She usually doesn't. That's why. She's a credible one-on-one, discipling ladies, and also has the gift of hospitality. So you're all welcome to come over to our house to have tea, cookies, food, and we will share even more. But I'm only limited in my time here, so I got to go quickly. So uh, in 2006, we were married. And, uh, you know, we, she even got accepted with the mission agency we were with, but we wanted more of biblical philosophy and ministry. Uh, we're seeing how a lot of things out there, as well as when I was overseas, that people are abandoning the Bible. Uh, so we prayed about it, and somehow through getting grace to you letters, God, everything I was saying, the things I'm seeing, there was on these grace to you letters, John MacArthur saying, I said, who is this MacArthur guy? Wow, he's right on, you know? And so we thought we knew we had to go to the Master Seminary. I could have got scholarships somewhere else, but we knew that that's where we needed to be. We didn't know anybody at the church, but God has blessed us with so many people we know now. Uh, so we packed up our 10-month-old at the time, Elijah, and we drove from Pennsylvania, 3,000 miles to uh, California, and came to Grace Church and said, well, this is where we want to be. And uh, in 2009, I started the seminary program. In 2013, I graduated, was interning at Sojourners Fellowship, where I got to meet uh, wonderful people there as well and to serve there. And uh, now we're back on our way. But let me just give you a little, I want to give you a little taste of France. One of the things that was really challenging, uh, there's a lot of challenges being in a European country. They're different from a third world country. But it's amazing when I got back after four years of ministry, I was really challenged spiritually. It was really hard. I was sick more times than I've ever been sick. There was a lot of spiritual warfare going on in that way. And when I'd say I went to France, um, people really don't have the perspective of the spiritual condition in France. A lot, a lot of them know what it's like to have a wonderful time, you know, as far as a vacation. And it is wonderful to be there. But the spiritual dynamics there is very, very challenging. And I say this just to encourage you guys to not forget to pray for those in Western countries. Uh, because although there's flushing toilets and good food and all those good things, the spiritual dynamic is hard. And I'm going to show you a little bit about that. One of the verses, the passages that God really uh, connected with me was this passage here in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38. And it's to see in the people, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and spirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, there's just one little principle I want to pull out of that passage is there's a ratio difference. There's a need, and there's also, um, there's a need, and in fact, the harvest is plenty, meaning those in need of Christ are so numerous, but the laborers are so few. Those who have the gospel, those who have the word of God can give them the word of God. Now, we see that ratio here. We see that ratio all around the United States, that there's a credible need for pastors and, and Bible-believing Christians. But when you get overseas, you need to multiply that. I remember going on short-term missions trips and driving for miles and miles through Europe, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, um, Israel, and just, just seeing no churches planted, uh, that they don't even have access to the gospel. So that's one of the passages where God really connected my heart. And also when it says, beseech the Lord of the harvest, beseech means to beg, to plead, to pray. 
I remember before going to Moody Bible Institute, a missionary said to me, I'm going to pray that you get a burden for missions. And before I went to Moody, I didn't even know what missions were. I came out of an unsaved background. I said, yeah, right, because that's the outward cool thing to say. But his answer to prayer, God, really hit my heart to have both a local perspective. I want to reach people for Christ and see them discipled and see people grow locally, wherever I'm at, but also God gives me the global perspective that there are so many out there that have little or no access to the gospel. And what I want to do is I, I want to show this short two-minute film just to give us perspective not to forget about Western European countries and the need there to be the light, to glorify God by proclaiming the gospel. And this is a short video I'd like to show. Um, David, are you going to get the lights? And in no way do I want this to 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 less to say that there's a less need around the world. There's a need everywhere around the world. And we need to support all our missionaries, wherever they are. I just don't want people to forget about Western Europe and not to always think that it's an easy country to live in. Stand somewhere in the U.S. trying to find a follower of Jesus Christ. Chances that a random stranger will know Christ are 32 and a half percent. Roughly one in three. People here have access to the gospel and worship freely and have little problem finding a church made up of Christ followers. But you knew that. Stand somewhere in Africa trying to find a follower of Jesus Christ. 14.8% are believers. Even given the political instability, you could stand in some African nations and see the odds increase, like in Zambia, 25%, Kenya, 35%, or Uganda, 46.3%. But maybe you knew that too. Stand somewhere in Asia trying to find a follower of Jesus Christ. Now your odds have dropped significantly, to 3.6% for the continent. In certain communist-controlled regions, the chances of finding a follower of Christ drop further still. North Korea, 1.5%. Vietnam, 1.4%. And Laos, 1.2%. Many churches must be underground, and getting your hands on a Bible can be tough. And probably not surprised. Now stand on the continent where the smallest portion of people know Christ. Churches can meet freely. Bibles are easy to obtain, and most of the area is politically stable. Yet few know Christ. Very few. Very few. Look only at its Western countries, now your odds are roughly the same as what they would be if you were searching for a Christ follower in Saudi Arabia. About 1%. You're standing in Western Europe. Now you know. It's amazing when you think about the Saudi Arabia where it's a closed country where you can't have a Bible, you can't freely go there, you can't live there and let them know you're a Christian, that that's the same amount of the Christian witness that, it, that there is in Western Europe where you are free to have a Bible. And one of the things that the Lord led me to Europe was I wanted to be open and to be free to share the gospel with people from all over the world and uh, just to be really open about it, and it's free to do that there. I want to give you a little taste of France, of what it's like there, and then we'll transi transition into where we're going. First of all, we see that France is full of over 60 million people. There are six million, over 6 million Muslims in the world, over in, in the country, rather, over 800 cults, and there's marriage-centered Catholicism, which I'll show you a picture later, secular humanism, we'll just touch on that next. Uh, one out of six supporters support ISIS uh, in France. I just got that article, and that was even on Fox News, 
where uh, it's, you can see the mentality from a, a perspective of a non-Christian perspective of even some of the French are being influenced and not just the high Muslim content in Europe. Um, there was a new atheist church, also an article coming out of France where people need, are searching for something and they always turn to their sinful ways and one is starting an atheist church. And there's less than one percent Christians and very few long-lasting missionaries. Uh, while I was there for four years, I've seen missionaries leave because of infidelity, uh, sins, uh, lack of support in some way, or just not being able to handle it. And you think, why? And we know that that's part of the spiritual warfare manifesting itself through natural means. Um, it's amazing to see Europe's influence in the world. We see all these movements coming out of Europe and we think about like just one thing, postmodernism, where you know basically just an element of that is there's no absolute truth, and uh, that's for example when we say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, you know they don't get that, and the source of our authority are Christ and the Scriptures, and that's the absolute truth we go by. But everything is relative to them, and you see that influence here, the United States as well as all those others. And let me use an example. When I was in France, I was sharing with a, a Muslim couple. And uh, it was an older lady, and uh, she believed that um, everybody went to heaven. And she challenged me because I shared with her lovingly and gently after building a relationship with them that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But even within her family, when I shared with her that, uh, her husband was a more serious Muslim and understands that even Islam or other religions are exclusive in themselves. In other words, what they teach is the absolute necessarily only way, whatever they teach. And she started to kind of get it a little bit because she said everybody goes to heaven, but he said, no, not everybody goes to heaven. And that means we, as Christians, because we don't believe in what they believe, are going to hell. So I tried to shift that on them. And it's amazing when you bring that to light. Uh, unless the Spirit of God is working in their hearts, they're not going to get it. But eventually that lady became a Christian. And uh, I'll share a little bit about that later. And again, we see that Europe is a leading educator of the world. And also, we're trying to mimic ourselves like Europe. And it's going downhill as we see morality-wise. And just think about the extreme. extreme. I had a lady share with me, well, we're going downhill here morally and spiritually in the opportunities. We'll just fast forward that and multiply that because we're trying to be like Europe. In many ways, they have an influence, and they're also educating others around the world. So the solution is you know, to just share Christ and, and get the gospel out there so people can know uh, who Christ is and uh, just uh, be saved. Uh, Muslims in Europe, this is a picture outside of my old apartment, actually, where I lived in Marseille, France. And a lot of the Muslims there are from all over the place, and they recruit people to be in these terrorist groups as well as be suicide bombers. They were doing that when I was there, as well as they continue to do it, and now they're even recruiting women uh, outside. And again, if you're in a country where they don't have the gospel, and they don't have many Christian witnesses, it's a challenging thing. Uh, for them to get exposed to something like that and really understand the truth. There's Muslim diversity there. And there's also first, second, and third gen generation Muslims. The ministry is not just for Muslims. What's happening is they're marrying into the French society. I was in two Islamic weddings because all they did was want to marry French girls to get their papers. And they get them into the country. And then once they get their citizenship, they either stay with them or don't. And if they stay with them, they get another generation of people group. So you actually are sharing with a French person that has some sort of Muslim influence, Islam influence, 
or they're culturally different. So whenever you share with somebody, you have to be able to discern where are they at spiritually? Are they more serious in their faith or lack of faith? Or are they more moderate, secular? Or who are they? So you have to really build that relationship to understand where they are. Um, this is just a taste of the, the, the flavor of Catholicism in Europe. Um, it's very Mary-centered. In fact, um, we see that that's a statue over the Catholic Church. And all the stories were that Mary's the one that protects the people. Mary's the one that intercedes for you to get to God instead of Christ. Uh, there's actually a picture inside that cathedral of a guy lighting candles to Mary. There's a prayer to Mary. They're going up, nothing about Christ, nothing about the gospel. So actually, if you're coming from a country, because there's so, di so much diversity, that doesn't have access to the gospel, this is what they're exposed to, or what Christianity is. In fact, some of the Muslims I ran into, uh, they think the Trinity is the Father, Son, and, and Mary, instead of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's a very confusion, uh, there's, they're very confused about what Christianity truly is. And I just remember just sharing with a, a, an Arab person and a French person, and they would say, James, I don't know anyone like you, because I was trying to live a Christian life, live out the Word of God, because they don't get exposed to that. Um, secular humanism is really big in France. It's the teaching that humanity is capable of morality and self-fulfillment without a belief in God. In fact, here are some guys that I was evangelizing. I had them over in my apartment. Arnaud is a French guy. I was praying before I went to uh, the city of Marseille. I studied in the north, Albertville. And I prayed, Lord, when I moved out to, to Marseille, I need to improve my French. I prayed for an unsaved person, specifically, that didn't know the Lord, that was educated, and could really help me along with my language learning process. Well, the first day I was in Marseille, I ran into Arnold, and he's not saved. He's educated. He's very wealthy, so he didn't have to work. And his whole desire was to help me with my French. Never spoke English with me. It's like an answer to prayer right away, because uh, you know the Lord's always uh, in control. And so we became really good friends. And in fact, when I would go to some of his friends' houses, and I would be sharing Christ, and I would need a vocabulary a little bit higher, Arnold would help me with that. And Arnold could like know everything to lead someone to Christ. I know that it's only the Holy Spirit that's going to open up his eyes. Because we got to a point where um, we were uh, talking one time, and I shared about heaven and hell, Christ, exclusivity. He said, James, you know, I got it all. I got money. I, got, I don't have to work. Why do I need Christ? And I said to him, Arnold, when you come to the end of your life, you're going to recognize that everything you have is meaningless without Christ. And he said to me this, he said, that must be why so many people in France are on antidepressants and commit suicide. And that's from an unbeliever's perspective, and, and, and it's amazing how he sees that without Christ, there's depression and there's suicide. In fact, when we look at the statistics in France, the suicide rate is incredible. When I was there, I seen suicides happen. Uh, trains would be shut down uh, because there is no Christ there. And that can really wear on missionaries, too, because when you're in that environment constantly, I know the joy it is to come back to Grace Church after even just traveling around the United States, but just to see like-minded believers who love God, love his word, but to be exposed to that for four years gets pretty uh, difficult. In fact, the suicide rate in France is 40% higher than the U.S. Well, what's the solution? Here's the solution. I, I love how when Paul went into Corinth, you know, Corinth had its social problems, Corinth had its political problems, but the main emphasis 
that God used was his word and was the gospel. He says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You know, Paul's emphasis, even in 1 Corinthians 2, was the testimony of God, or the revelation of God, or the word of God, and the gospel to get to these people in need. And so where are we going? These are some of our mission goals. I'll just go over briefly what they are. Church strengthening, leadership training, church planning, and evangelism. Church strengthening. Many of you already know this guy right here. John Glass, he already has an existing church in Geneva, Switzerland, that's French-speaking, that's actually a church plant from a French church. And what I was surprised when I did a survey trip in 2012, I was amazed when I connected with John. Not only do I love their family, but I loved that he had a healthy church. He showed me his doctrinal statement, and it was conservative, and it was to the point, and it was right there, the same as Grace Community Church. I'm thinking, this is what we need, because when I was in France before, one of the challenges that we faced is when you step beside of a person who's already in ministry, sometimes there's doctrines not going to change. And if it's in essential areas, it can be challenging. I had one example when I left of the formal team member that stepped beside of a guy. I thought, why are you investing your time and money and energy in this guy? Because he's not even sound in a lot of areas. Well, they used him, and eventually they got rid of him. Uh, they got rid of the missionary that was conservative. So we want to step and start out with someone solid, and there's a lot I can learn from John, and a lot I can help out too, to be able to strengthen that church to make sure that its leadership is stays on the path so that when John leaves, that there'll be an existing church there. So church strengthening, in fact, John's church is just right outside of uh, Geneva in France. John lives in France. We want to live in France. And it's easy just to cross borders. There's no problem at all to cross borders into France. So we'd like to live somewhere outside of, Fran of Geneva to be able to meet reach the French people, but also help out with the church in Geneva and see where the Lord leads from there. Second thing, uh, leadership training. I love this quote, if you don't train the shepherd, someone else will lead the sheep. Um, there's a bunch of people that need some serious training with everything that's going on because they don't have access to what we have in their heart language of French. Whether they're from North Africa, France, or other French-speaking countries, there's not a lot of resources that are available or radio stations that can reach them. But we need to train the leaders. And uh, for, for example, disciple is so, so key. Many of you know this verse, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust these two faithful men who will be able to teach others. This is just an example of a friend of mine. Uh, he was an, an Arab Muslim convert, and uh, he actually used to come and I used down to my place, and I used to try to disciple, disciple him. He was going to the school, but he wanted to enhance his education, and there was no place that I could really think about sending him uh, because he was a conservative Christian. And that's a, an amazing thing to have because you're around a lot of false doctrines when you're as a missionary overseas, and to find someone who's solid. In fact, uh, Brahim, uh, my friend here, he um, we were doing evangelism, just to give you a taste of it. We, we do evangelism together, and uh, we, we did it among the Arabs there in France. And it was amazing to see how 
we would draw a crowd, and just one of them looked at me and said, you can be Christian because you're American. He can't because he's Arab. In other words, you know, here's somebody that needs discipleship, that wants it, that loves God, and really loves his word. And people like that, we want to step aside of and be able to disciple and train to be the leaders in the church. Um, we also, I also would like to see if the Lord leads that way, uh, the, a TMAI possibly, or any kind of school that people from the French-speaking world can come to. And now John and I talked about we're going to let the Lord lead, we're going to work together. Um, and he said, if you want to do it, do it. <laughs> so I really would like to see possibly uh, a French-speaking TMAI because there's no French-speaking opportunity for uh, people to get educated. The challenge comes when, as a missionary before, when we would send people to the United States, it's very challenging for them financially. It costs more to send them here, as we know as seminary grads, those of us went to seminary. But also there's studying theology in a different language, which is even more difficult and challenging. And a lot of times, if we're sending people from more difficult backgrounds, a lot of times they don't return uh, to their countries because some past you send the cream of the crop, the guys that are really solid, and sometimes churches will pick them up. And I know that's God's in control, he's leading, but it kind of gets discouraging when you, if you lose one of your leaders that had the most potential to be able to be a leader in a place where there's little or no Christians. Another heartbeat of mine is church planning. It's always been, as I shared before, John's church is a... Uh, uh, a result of a, a church plant from a French church. And since that church is already recognized by the European government, it's French speaking, if we can uh, be under their umbrella, that would be great uh, to be able to start a church from that church and to see churches multiplied throughout uh, France. And then that's another dream and goal and desire that I would have uh, to see, you know, France and Switzerland and all around the world evangelizing the French-speaking countries. Um, evangelism has always been my heartbeat. Uh, I love evangelism. I just want to give you a little taste of evangelism. For, for example, if you see this picture on the left here, and uh, you see uh, the guy holding the uh, mint tea leaves, yeah, his name, well, I'll leave his name out, but he's a, a Muslim guy, and uh, he is from a tribe, the Mozab tribe. Now, they live in a city in Algeria called Gardaya, no one can get into Gardaia to be able to share Christ. They don't have the Bible in their language. In fact, the guy that is on the other side of him, he was doing his master's thesis on that particular tribe. He went to Gardaia. He couldn't find any literature. In fact, he was trying to do translation work to get it into their language. But the common language is French, so he speaks French. So we can't get into Gardaia to be able to share Christ with him. But there's a whole pocket of people from that particular tribe all around France, and it's free. So if I wanted to meet people from that particular tribe and share Christ, I'd go to his house, drink tea, uh, and hand out Bibles. And I got in some really great discussions uh, with some guys. Some guys took Bibles back into their country where they, don't, they never had a Bible. And so there's a great opportunity to evangelize both globally and locally. And if anyone gets saved, we want to plug them into a good church, but we want good churches to be there. So that's one of the challenges that we face, but that's one of the great opportunities is to reach people people from all over the world. And I think where John's located, you think of Geneva, you think of people coming from even Saudi Arabia, uh, just that God can provide divine appointments to be able to share with them, and possibly maybe someone will get saved, uh, which God can do. Uh, my other friend here, his name is Gilles. Uh, he actually worked, was a captain of the police. He wasn't a believer. And so I befriended him for a year. He's with the UN now, the international police. Last time I heard from him, he was somewhere in Israel working. Uh, but he was Catholic background, but totally secular humanistic. 
didn't believe in God at all, but through a relationship with him, through a year, um, by the end of our time together, he was actually praying. And he needed to see a Christian outside of what he knew as Catholicism or what Christianity was, because it's idolatry out there, and it's idolatry when you really study it. So he needed to see that. So he uh, eventually now started to pray with me. Uh, he knows the gospel, so I lost touch with him because a lot of these guys aren't on email, uh, especially when I was there. That wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And I really want to share with you this story, this lady here. Um, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to improve my French while I was out there. And a single guy, you got lots of time, you know, to throw yourself into the community. So I prayed, and the Lord put me into a sport program where I studied in a French school for two days a week, physiology, all the sciences of sport and education. But in order to do that, I had to work at a gym in order to pay for it. And so the lady that was in charge of the program really liked me, thought I had potential. So she said, well, I got this gym. You're a pastor, because I was sharing Christ with her. Why don't I set it to you? It's a gym that helps people with troubled needs. It helps AIDS victims, people off the streets, prostitutes. So I thought, what a great field to share Christ. And I was pretty open that this is what I'm going to do. My main thing here is to share Christ. And they were fine with that. So along with the psychological counselors, I would share the word of God. But I stepped aside of this woman here, and she's a Muslim woman. And we had wonderful conversations. In fact, uh, she came while I was there, she was coming closer and closer to understanding the gospel and, and, and coming to know the Lord and, uh, you know, getting rid of her Muslim background. So she started introducing me to uh, people that would come in from Algeria, and she would say, let's go out to lunch. Okay, James, tell them what you do. And I'd say, well, I teach the Bible, you know, and then I'd go into the gospel and share about the Lord. And so she would be connecting me. Another missionary that was trying to connect with her after I connected him with her with them you know, they asked her, you know, why, why didn't you come to Christ? And she originally said, because if I do, they'll kill my sons in Algeria. And that's what some of the believers have to face there that are Muslim, you know, and she had a lot to lose. But building a relationship with her, the last time I went back, 2012, I went to visit this particular place. And uh, she's definitely there. She's reading the Bible. She understands the gospel. And I was sharing Christ with another lady that was, she was dying and, and she was a French lady. And, uh, you know, the lady prayed with me, you know, rather she got saved, it's up to God. And I didn't have a Bible to give her. She wanted a Bible. And I, I don't have a Bible. I'm just here on a survey trip. And, but that's, but the lady said there, she said, you know, I have a Bible, you know, I'll give her one. And she was reading through Corinthians and all this other stuff. And I was actually, while I was there, I was breaking down the understanding because she asked about Mary. And I was sharing that she's just a regular person. She goes, is she? I said, the Bible says that. And we went through that while I was there. So again, it's breaking down barriers of what people think Christianity truly is with the truth of the gospel. Just one more story is um, that person there, the, 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 the skinny person on side of, <laughs> of my dear friend, um, he was actually a, a transsexual. He had the operation. And he was unsaved, and he was psychologically out there. In fact, before I got there, I was, you know, trying to share Christ with him, and it was so hard in the French, and he's all over the place. But I continued to, to pray for him and share Christ, and I gave him a Bible. And uh, one day he comes back to me, and he says, James, when, when I read the Bible, I feel good. And I went over the gospel with him, and I believe he got saved, because then he was going to his psychological groups and saying, you got to read the Bible. You, you, you'll feel good. And... In fact, um, so he eventually got saved, and, and 
uh, Terry, my dear dear friend and brother, because I know he's a genuine believer, I went to visit him when he was in the hospital because he was dying of AIDS, and he was confessing his sin. He knows he's a man. He's always been a man, uh, and that that was a mistake, uh, sin, and he was confessing that to God uh, with me in the hospital. And he, uh, he also said, do you have a Bible? Mine's at home. And I gave him a Bible. Well, I went home, and, and uh, the, the Muslim lady there, she was like the Mother Teresa of Islam, Islam who used to help these people. And so um, she continued to care for him. And later on, Terry died. And she always was confused if he was a man or a woman. So she wrote this. Teresa died Monday, October 31st. Yeah, it's just amazing. Just I, I wanted to thank you. Yeah, just that he got saved, that she saw Christ, that she saw Christ in him, and that she was at joy. Uh, she had full joy, and I believe as a result of this, she eventually came to Christ because she actually saw a transformed life, and it's the word of God. And I've always would share. I'd say, you know, when she'd say, "How are we going to help these people?" You know, it's not going to be these psychological counselors. It's not going to be anything that you can do. It's not going to be Islam. It's not going to be these French philosophers. It's going to be the word of God. And she got to see that, and they got to see that. Um, but I, I love this verse. For whoever will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? We're so dependent on the church. Uh, to be able to be part of this ministry in prayer and in sending us. Uh, it's not just a Lone Ranger ministry where we missionaries go out there on our own. It's a hard field. It's a battlefield out there. It's not a playground. Um, so we just really covet your prayers uh, in that process. We do have prayer cards. And uh, I'll just quickly go over some prayer requests, and then I'll open it up for questions. If you have any questions about France, just pray for uh, pre-field ministry responsibilities. We're getting our Italian... Well, I got my Italian citizenship. One thing that... Uh, that was um, very challenging when I lived there before was being an American citizen, you, uh, you have to renew your visa and it's a really big hassle doing that. Uh, in fact, with no absolute truth, they might send you out. There's a missionary there that was there for 10 years and they said you can no longer be in France and he was a Christian church planner. But when I came back from overseas, Julie and I were at a church somewhere when we were uh, doing the deputation thing before coming to seminary and we ran into someone, they said if you have a relative that is Italian, you can get your Italian citizenship that's a grandparent. And my grandparents came over on Ellis Island from the boat. So Julia helped me with the research, and we got what we needed. I got my Italian citizenship. Now we're in the process of getting her Italian citizenship and the kids. And we've been doing that through the consulate in Philadelphia. Uh, so please pray. It's a corrupt uh, organization there, <laughs> what we think it is. I was working with a guy with Mr. Sifoni, and uh, it cost a lot to get papers translated. And I wasn't going to bribe him because I couldn't anyway. You know, but we thought that that's what he wanted. But finally, um, he actually gave me a book he wrote on the mafia, and I gave him a Gospel of John. So we built a relationship, and uh, it was really good working with him. And our last time back, we took a trip back to Pennsylvania. We're traveling, and we met up with the consulate again. And we were blessed because we know people were praying because we met up with a lady named Leah who recognized us and loved our boys. They were so good. I know people were praying while we were there. And her only thing that she said we needed, other than the papers that she gave Julie, was to come back with a little girl. So. Maybe we could borrow one because we don't plan to have any more at this point. So anyway, so we want to pray for that process of going through. Uh, by the end of November, I would like to be ordained here at Grace Community Church. So please continually pray for that process. Uh, Kevin already, Edwards already drilled me with the Bible knowledge, so that was fun. Um, deput deputation. 
for our daily missionary needs, for our health. Again, I share with you when I was in France, I was never sick more so many times in my life. When I got home from France in 2004, I had an unknown parasite or bacteria that wasn't discovered until five years later, right here. Uh, and I also had an ulcer and I had a polyp taken out of my upper stomach. Uh, nobody knew what was wrong with me, um, but when we came out to seminary and I led a short-term mission trip here to Grace, back to Marseille, and um, it was amazing. I got violently ill the last three days, and finally God led me to a doctor who gave me the medication to kill everything inside of me. And for the first time in five years, I could eat food normally. It was like, this is incredible. This is what food tastes like. It was just great. So, And food is a big staple in ministry. So I was really praying not just to be a healthy and wealthy, healthy, I'm not wealthy, but to be healthy, but just, just because it can hinder ministry. I mean, I can preach, teach, do whatever, but if I'm vomiting, it just doesn't work out too well. I'm sure you guys understand. So uh, just pray for all our health, that that doesn't hinder the opportunities we have. And, you know, just for a close walk with God, you know, um, that's the key, that we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his promptings, and we will always be faithful to his word, and that we will be a light that shines brightly the love of Christ to those around us. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to hear about all your experience and then also the ministry that the Lord is um, preparing for you guys with the glasses. And um, we're going to pray for them before we end today. And um, then if you'd like to talk with James and Julia, you can. I'm sure they'd be happy to talk with you. Lord, we just thank you so much again for this day and just the opportunity to, to see your work, Lord, and um, just the way you've worked in James's heart and mind and given him a real love for the people there in France, Lord. And we just pray that you would use him and um, use also John, John Glass's teaching there, Lord. And, um, you know, there's so many people there that need you, Lord, and um you are you are so wise, Lord. You always, in your word, it talks about how we thought, you know, people think they're wise and yet they're fools. And this is such a great example, all this education going on there in France, and yet the people won't even, many of them, um, believe in you, Lord, who created everything and even them. And Lord, we just pray for James and Julia, their desire to go over there and just to um, try to, serve you as you open the eyes of people there that need you, Lord. We pray that um, you would provide for all their needs, help them with their citizenship, Lord. Please help that to to work out that they would receive those papers soon, if it be your will, and um, be with James as he um, completes his ordination. We just pray that you would help him to have time to prepare for that and also just to feel feel ready as um, he's going to be going over there and having lots of opportunities probably to teach and also to um, get together and minister with minister to people in need. And Lord, we just pray that you would provide that support that they need so that they could get over there and begin serving you. And um, we just thank you so much for the time that you've given them here. And we um, thank you that, you know, James has completed seminary and that he's ready now, Lord. And, um, before he was over there just as a believer, but now he's equipped. And we just pray that you would use that for your glory. Just pray for them as they uh, continue on towards their goal of being over there, Lord. Please keep them healthy and uh, safe. Just pray for the, that you would provide their daily needs and help them to walk closely with you, Lord, and um, just to trust in you. 
no matter what, as we learned in our lesson today, that um, we're all going to be persecuted if we choose to follow you. And we just pray that you would be with them and help them to be loving and yet to develop a, a tough outer skin so that they wouldn't be hurt or angry in any way towards those they're trying to share with. And Lord, we pray also for Julia. We just pray that well, and James as well, you know, as they work on the language and just try to get that down, Lord, that you would gift them in that so that they would be able to reach out and share with other people effectively, Lord, we pray. We just thank you for their three little boys, um, so sweet, and we just thank you for them. They're such a blessing, and we just pray that you would continue to work in their hearts and minds as well and help them to come to know you, Lord, we pray. and. Just pray that you would give Julia wisdom as she teaches them in homeschools, and um, just pray that you would bless them with the energy and strength they need to do all these things, Lord, and to honor you in each one of those things. In your name we pray, amen.